Get Back to Basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, and a very good afternoon to you. Wonderful to be in your company this afternoon. Again, it is Wednesday. It is the middle of the week, and it is 101.9 High FM program called Judaism 101.9, and here with Rabbi Michael Katz, as the intro correctly said. It's uh, wonderful, beautiful, and good to think about the fact that we are now standing just a few days away from Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And if we look back a year, I think I'm right in saying that it was last year, this time, and for this coming Shabbat, or certainly the Parshiot that we're going to be reading on this coming Shabbat, that was the first week that we went into lockdown. It was the first time that we had um, the uh, uh, home uh, sort of put under the spotlight, and that that was where we were going to be spending it seemed then possibly just a couple of weeks, and we even imagined, I think, at that time that we would be out of it all by Pesach last year. And isn't it amazing that it's now Pesach a year later? And uh, while some of the things um, have uh, progressed a little bit and we're only on um, uh, lockdown one, uh, but still, we're not out of the woods yet and things haven't returned to normal by any manner of means. And uh, one of the things that I was thinking about when we reflect back and we think back to uh, last year this time, it was quite an amazing thing. But um, we are looking towards and forward to this coming Shabbat on which we're going to be reading no less than 233 verses from the Torah in the Torah readings. It is a double parsha of Vayakel and Pekudei. And it is Shabbat HaChodesh. Now, this is not a parsha shir, although uh, very often with rabbis, it seems to be that um, uh, when in doubt, you know, say something from the parsha. I'm not going to do that. We're going to be just talking about it in general terms. But we do read three separate parshiot, so to speak, on this Shabbat. Two of them coupled together. That's Vayakel and Pekudei. And with that, we are reading the last two parshiot in the book of Exodus in the book of Shemot. So it is also Shabbat Chazak. We come to the end of a book and we say, Chazak, Chazak, Venit Chazak. Let's be strong, let's be strong, and let's strengthen one another. And we certainly do through our Torah, through our unity, through our mitzvot, through our community, um, which is a big part of the unity uh, story. And we also are going to be reading from a second Torah. So we'll take two Torahs two Torahs out of the Oren Kodesh, out of the Ark on Shabbat. From the first one, we'll read Vayakel and Pukudeh, that's in order. And then from the second one, we will read the Parsha called HaChodesh. And that is a special, significant Parsha, HaChodesh Hazelachem, taken from the book of Exodus earlier on. Before we got out of Egypt, there was the first instruction to the Jewish people, the first mitzvah that they had to fulfill, which was HaChodesh Hazelachem, which means this is your month. This is the month. This is the month that I'm giving to you, Hashem says. And the month, of course, is referring to Nisan, the month in which we got out of Egypt, the month in which we will be celebrating Pesach coming very soon. And this is the month, therefore, of liberation, the month of redemption, the month of freedom. This is that month, and we're about to walk into that month. And in fact, Rosh Chodesh is on Sunday. And so <coughs> the uh, Parshiot, Vayakel and Pekudei, and then HaChodesh, 
kind of is the forerunner to this great and wondrous and incredible month called Nisan, in which we got out of Egypt, in which we're going to be celebrating Pesach, in which we're going to be having our Pesach Seders, um, Sedarim on the first and second night of Pesach in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and it is all so beautiful and so powerful. And, dare I say so, Beautifully different from what we did have last year. One of the things that I do remember last year, in fact, was that people commented that the Balkodis, the uh, various rabbis, the people who were appointed to read from the Torah in the various shuls, kind of got off um, kind of lightly because in the Parsha of Ayakel Pekude and Hachodesh, as we said, there are 233 verses, if you think about the average Shabbos, I guess, around about 100, maybe a little bit more uh, verses. It's regarded as very, very big if you've got to go to 150 and so on. But here we've got no less than 233 verses in total that we're going to be reading from these various parashiot on this coming Shabbat. It's a big Torah reading. Um, a lot of it may seem to be kind of uh, repetitive in a way because we're going through lists in Vayakel and Pekude particularly of all the things and all the uh, trimmings and trappings of the Mishkan, of the tabernacle, and then, of course, the power-packed uh, second Torah parsha of HaChodesh, HaChodesh HaZelachem, putting us into the right frame of mind and into the perspective and into the run-up to Pesach and, of course, thinking about what it was that actually got us out of Egypt then and what it is that will certainly get us out of this diaspora now. And that is the lineup for this coming Shabbat. And, of course, then Rosh Chodesh on Sunday. And with the advent of Rosh Chodesh, we move into the month of Nisan, this month of Geula, this month of redemption, the month of the build-up to Pesach, and it's traditional amongst many that um, from the beginning of Nisan, so from Sunday, we begin reading a special piece of uh, Torah, which is called the Nasi. We read about the Nasiim, the various um, leaders of the tribes and what it was that they brought to this tabernacle that we are talking about in Parshas Vayakel and Pekude, coming to the conclusion of a whole series of Parshas, of, of stories, and uh, the uh, uh, the framework, and then the building, and then the construction, and then the meaning of what is known as the Mishkan, the tabernacle that was built in the desert, the forerunner to the Batei Migdash, to the temples that we had in Jerusalem. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi and welcome back. Yes, we're talking about the parshiot that we're going to be reading on this Shabbat and what Shabbat HaChodesh actually means and, of course, the arrival of the month of Nisan, which starts Saturday night, of course, Sunday, and then for the month in which Pesach forms the real power part of this month. But if we take a look at the book of Exodus, let's begin with that. If we take a look at the book of Exodus, the book of Shemot, and we actually see that it is more or less divided into two parts. The first, perhaps larger part, of the book is all actually about the Exodus. Yes, we go through all the plagues and we go through all the things that we're going to be talking about and thinking about over Pesach at the Pesach Seder and so on. And then we have the latter part of the book of Shemot, which deals with 
the tabernacle. It deals deals with the instruction to build the tabernacle. It deals with the actual materials that had to be collected. It deals with the way that the tabernacle had to be put together and all its artifacts and all its things, all its bits and pieces, its furnishings and so on. And then finally the account of everything that uh, Moshe Rabbeinu, that Moses collected, that he gave, whatever, that he put together and whatever was left over, um, he had to keep proper accounts of. And that's how we actually end up in this book where we have spoken about the tabernacle. And it occupies a huge space and a huge place in the book that we know as Exodus, the story of the getting out of Egypt. And therefore, it has to stand to reason that the building of the tabernacle has got something to do with Exodus. Yes, you can say, of course, that's so obvious. We were in the desert, and that's uh, on our journey out of Egypt and our advent to Israel. And, of course, it's got something to do with it. We had to build it while we were in the in the desert. It is uh, part of, and it was part of, uh, very, very much part of the life that we spent while we were in the desert. This tabernacle was uh, the central theme of the Jewish people during our exodus. So historically, it makes a lot of sense. But surely if we focus our attention a little bit more to the fact that Torah is not a historical document, Torah, in fact, is something from which we need to learn every moment of every day and every day of every year and every part of our lives, we have an ebb and flow between um, exiles and redemptions, and we have the concept of redemption that continually comes into our lives. We redeem ourselves basically every day from uh, sleep, and we, when we wake up, we redeem ourselves every day. And we have, when we have hurdles to climb, we have problems that uh, confront us, and when we can overcome them and we can literally split open the Red Sea and walk through on the dry land and come through triumphant on the other side and eventually reach that land of promise in a spiritual sense, the concept of redemption applies always to all things and at all times. And of course, yes, we're looking forward to the ultimate redemption, the coming of Mashiach, may it be speedily in our time. And when we think of all of that, um, what role is there for the temple? What role is there for a mikdash? What role is there for the uh, tabernacle that had to be constructed and seems to be part and parcel of this whole um, story of exodus, of redemption? And perhaps I'd like to suggest that um, we actually underestimate and undervalue the concept of God's instruction to us about place. And when we put it into a uh, juxtaposition with the second Torah that we are going to be reading from on this coming Shabbat, Parshat HaChodesh, there we are talking about time. And we'll come to that a little bit later. But here we have the idea of literally place and time or space and time. And how these two elements of our lives are really probably the most important um, focal point of what it is that we have to do to be redeemed and what it is that we have to do to gain that redemption. It can possibly all be summed up in two major areas, and that is space and time or a place and time. Now, we 
possibly will understand the time part of it a little bit better. But there's something very important about space, about place. One of the things that this last year has done for us in a positive way is that it has taught us that, um, and uh, we waxed lyrical about it a year ago, where um, uh, everybody was talking about the fact that we can dive in at home, we can make a little migdash, a beta migdash of our own, a little tabernacle can be made wherever you are. You can uh, do that in uh, your study or as a lecturer of mine at Witz University many years ago used to say, in the privacy of your own boudoir, you can make a place and a space for yourself that will be and that is sacred and that is special and that is private and that is beautiful and there one can connect with God in every possible fashion, in every possible way, and it makes so much sense, and it is so beautiful. And so many people have even spoken about the fact that davening at home, they've davened like never before. Connecting with God, they've connected like never before. And it has been a great experience in that realm and in that respect. However, we do have to think as Jews that perhaps we need to introspect just a little bit more while we are sitting at home or even if we are already in the, uh, uh, in, the in the going out phase and we are already uh, perhaps attending shul and so on, that the concept of a sacred space, not only for ourselves, for our communities, for our environment, is of paramount importance. And all these parishes that um, occupies pride of place, half of the book, of uh, Shemot, of Exodus, speak to that very theme, that Judaism cannot and does not exist without our public spaces of worship, our public spaces of um, interaction with God, our public Batei Migdash temples and tabernacles and shuls. And these are the places and the spaces that not only do we have to protect and as we have through centuries to fight for and to construct and to build and to glorify and to magnify and to make them special. But we have to remember and we need to focus on just how important those spaces are for us. Those are the spaces within which we truly can connect as a community. We've got to remember that such a big part of Judaism revolves around communal prayer. There is so much of our prayer um, that we cannot do at home. So once we are forced into a situation, of course, the home is the best possible space and the best possible place. But once we have the opportunity to emerge from there, we dare not underestimate the value of space, of a holy space, of an environment in which one can find the sacredness that we hope and pray or is is endemic to our uh, shuls and our uh, Bate Midrash, our places of learning and our uh, public spaces that we have set up. So it's not that God doesn't exist and God cannot enter into your private space and into your private home and into the private places that we have established. Of course, God does enter there. And of course, we can connect there. There is absolutely no question about it. But we cannot and we dare not undervalue and underestimate the importance of our 
communal spaces, of our shuls, of our batei medrash, of our uh, little batei migdash, of our little temples, our little tabernacles, because those spaces are truly where the holiness that we know um, is meant to reside in those special places, that it does reside there and that it can be accessed with communal and community prayer and community interaction, community learning and so on. That is something that we need maybe for you or for uh, someone else. It may be not exactly the right time right now to be um, actually physically going to those spaces, but let's not at all ever be guilty of putting it out of our minds or thinking that this is the way that it's always going to be. You know, people keep on talking about, and it probably many of the phrases that have been used during this uh, corona year are going to be relegated to the annals of please don't ever say that to me again kind of thing, you know, like a, a food that you've been forced to eat. For a long, long time, eventually you just can't look at it. It's absolutely disgusting. And I've got a feeling that some of the phrases that are being bandied around at the moment in future, we're going to actually despise them. They're going to uh, send chills down our spines and they're going to make us um, feel terrible about uh, just the very sound of them. And one of them is this idea of having to get uh, the, the, or deal with the new normal. There is something very sinister about uh, saying that, and there's something very sinister in many ways about even thinking that, yes, we have to roll with the punches, and yes, we have to deal with uh, what, what goes on around us, and yes, we have to look for the opportunities, of course. But we cannot ever really accept that this is now the norm, that this is the way that it will be. This is not the way that it will be. We need to understand and we need to know that the flourishing of our tabernacle saw to the flourishing of the Jewish people, that the power of the tabernacle was that it led us through the desert and it was able to advocate and it was able to circumvent the most difficult uh, issues and problems. It was the very spiritual guide to everything that we did while we were in the desert. And the time in the desert was the prototype for all future time that we would be in uh, diaspora and all future time that we would be on our way to uh, gaining redemption. And in fact, it is a prototype. It is a foundational time for the entire Jewish people. And therefore, we cannot underestimate the power of that tabernacle, the power of the temple, the power that it has just by being there and just by being in it and just by participating in it and just by supporting it, how important that is actually for the spiritual wherewithal and the health of our community and the health of our individuals and the health of ourselves. We need those environments. We need those places and we need to make sure that they don't falter in any way, that they don't, God forbid, fail in any way, but rather that they have the ability to grow, to flourish, and to be there when we, not only when we need them, but to be there <coughs> because actually we need them all the time. We tend to think that we only need them at certain times. Let's perish that thought and remember the central role that the tabernacle played in the desert, that it plays in the book of Exodus. It plays in this Exodus as well, which hopefully will happen for each and every one of us very, very soon indeed. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Hi, 
and welcome back. Yes, of course, this is Judaism 101.9. Rabbi Michael Katz here with you. And we're talking about the upcoming Shabbat when we read Parshas Vayakel and Pekudem. We were talking about the uh, role of a temple, tabernacle, shul, communal space of godliness, of holiness in Jewish life and how important it is actually for our redemption, how important it is for us to actually come out of diaspora, to have that as the space and place and environment within which we operate. And then, of course, the Parsha HaChodesh. Parsha HaChodesh is the instruction to have the time factor correct. Judaism teaches us, and of course, Torah teaches us, and this Shabbat teaches us, that time itself is to be sanctified. Time itself is sacred. This is not um, sanctifying something that we're about to eat or something that we're about to don on our arms or something that we're about to put on our heads. This is about time, time itself, and the sacredness and the sanctity of time. And to remember how, A, important each moment actually is, and not to waste a moment of it if we can possibly help that. And at the same time, to remember that time needs to be celebrated and time needs to be recognized. And the certain times and the certain atmospheres within um, the Jewish year are to be celebrated in different and beautiful and wonderful ways. And at the time of Nisan, we're to remember our exodus from Egypt. And at the time of Tishrei, we're to remember the creation of the world, and then we're to remember the uh, tabernacles in which we dwelt. And then when it comes to Shavuot time, we're to remember the time of the giving of the Torah at Mount Sinai. Now, this is not just so that it's there in the deep annals of our history and that it's there for memory purposes only, but it's about reliving those experiences, feeling them and having them and having them not only pass through us, that, but we certainly pass through them and that they are then, that, 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 that each one leaves an impression on the other, that there is the impression of that kind of celebration, of that kind of environment, that when we celebrate Pesach, we feel the slavery and then we feel the redemption. We feel that um, absolute liberation that we hope and we strive for um, each and every day of our lives. And so the concept of time plays this huge, huge role. And it was here that Hashem told the Jewish people, this actually was at the crux of the structure of the Jewish calendar. Because Hashem said, our first month is going to be this month, the month of Exodus, the month that we got out of Egypt. This is the first of our months. We we call it Nisan, but the Torah calls it Achodesh Harishon, the first month. This was the first month. And this gives us the idea of exactly how the Jewish calendar functions, based as it does, as it is, on the months, which are lunar months. And then, of course, taking into account the fact that Pesach must be in the spring in Israel. And therefore, we have to take into account the sun as well. And so the overplay and the overlap and the intertwining of the solar calendar and the lunar calendar is something that is at the very, very heart of the way that the Jewish people um, think about a, a calendar year and think about the roles that are played by both the sun and the moon 
and the earth and everything that Hashem put into this wonderful world that he gave us to live in, remembering the sanctity of time and how it has to be not only celebrated and commemorated, but it has to be the very theme, the guide, the uh, beat to which we march and the beat to which we live and the very theme of our lives, space of the tabernacle and the time of our Chodesh Hazelachem. We'll be back to sum up right after this. Get back to basics with Judaism 101 with Rabbi Michael Katz. Yes, and we're busy summing up, thinking about the uh, days ahead and thinking about the week ahead and the Shabbat ahead. And, of course, celebrating things like time and space, the space being the tabernacle, a tabernacle that we need to make not only in our hearts and in our homes, but of course in our communities, and we need to remember how important that was to our liberation, to our redemption, and then the concept of time, how important time is in everything that we do, in everything that we um, celebrate, and in everything that we commemorate. The concept of time is of paramount importance. Remember, we're only on this earth for a limited Time, of course, until Mashiach comes, but we have limits to our days and we have limits to our weeks and our months and so on. Remember that we need to spend our time well and we need to remember that there are things of priorities, things, you know, uh, people have all sorts of uh, distractions and all sorts of priorities in and amongst them. The fact that we've got to work hard and that we need to earn a living and that we need to uh, see to our families and that we need to make sure that our homes are well catered to and taken care of. Of course, all of those things are of paramount importance, but let's not relegate to the back burner our uh, spiritual involvement and our involvement within the community and our involvement with um, our relationship between ourselves and Shamayim, ourselves and God, our performance of mitzvahs, our learning of Torah. Let's not uh, forget about those important dimensions and those things that we need to make sure that we remember we have time for and we allocate that time and we allocate it well and we don't allow other things to get in the way and to simply cross them off our diaries and take them out of our system. There is an importance of that time and that space and we need to uh, treat them both with the kind of respect that they deserve. When it comes to the month of Nisan, which is on Saturday night and Sunday, we enter into this period of redemption, a great and wondrous and beautiful time. It is also the month of Nisim, the month of miracles, great and wonderful miracles. Now, we don't want to have to wait for miracles um, to come along in order to uh, redeem us, in order to save us, um, but there is so much that we can do to make those miracles actually happen and to make them come about. Let's remember. The reasons why the Jewish people were redeemed from Egypt, and perhaps that should be a key focus for our time in uh, right now, that we need to recommit ourselves to all the things that are of great value to ourselves and to Shemayim, to God, our Torah, our mitzvot, our sense of community, our families, um, our goodness and our kindness that we're supposed to demonstrate and show to each other at all time. And we need to have as the underpinning of those things that we're going to do whatever we can to make sure that we have the space and the time that is correctly and properly dedicated to uh, bringing about the coming of Mashiach 
bringing about the change and the end to all pandemics and all difficulties. And please, God, it should happen very, very soon. I look forward to being back with you, same time, same place, next week on Judaism 101.9. And I want to wish you a great Shabbat up ahead, a great week up ahead, a great Chodesh up ahead. And please, God, uh, we will only know miracles, wonders, and fantastic, beautiful things for this coming month of Nissan. Take care.